Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Holly seems to have it all. Two kids, a nice house, good job as a teacher and a husband with a career that's on its way up but there are troubling signs that not all is right in her world. The insomnia, the medication for the insomnia, the dreams from the medication for insomnia, a lot of different, an estranged sister, a mouse that's invading her house that uh, no one seems to care about but her. And all of these things begin to weigh on on Holly to the point where her mental health becomes um, part of a, a longer discussion And um, that is the backstory behind this remarkable film, truly well done and frightening and a psychological thriller of the highest order. And the film is called The Swerve, and we're joined today by the director as well as the writer, and that would be Dean Capsalis. Dean, welcome to Film School Radio. Great. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Um, Very kind words. So uh, tell me, Dean, where did the story for uh, The Swerve, where did that come from? Uh, it came from a uh, uh, an image I drew uh, of a woman in a supermarket, and uh, it was midnight. That's what I wrote on the on the just a little like pencil, like a thumbnail pencil sketch I, I drew in my notebook, and um, it, it just grew out from there. And and uh, just all this stuff started coming out of my psyche about the about the character. So the whole all the events and story came out of this characterization, came out of Holly. Background wise, just to step further back, uh, I grew up around a lot of very strong women in uh, my family and also uh, family of friends. And um, as I you know, grew up, I started to see things that I didn't notice when I was younger. And that was their, their dealings with mental health uh, anxiety, uh, you know, depression, abuse. Um, and that somehow lodged in my, you know, in my mind. And, uh, that came up when I started writing this character and, uh, it, it sort of coincided with, uh, uh, an admiration, um, for, uh, tragedies in literature, like Shakespeare, Greek tragedies, uh, Victorian literature, there's a, there's a lot of that, of sort of gothic uh, novels in this, in the swerve, although that's contemporary, it's, it's set, it's a contemporary film. There's still a lot of, you know, iconography from those works in the film. Right. So that's, that's how it began. Yeah, there is a, there's an incremental tone and pace to the film as well and i think it follows what i think some of what you're describing sort of follows this sort of someone who's unraveling mm-hmm. right uh, in a, under what are considered for the most part normal familial things issues raising kids holding down a job mm-hmm. having a good relationship with your husband family issues around his her sister these are all things that are not uncommon for most people to either have been a part of or to to be aware of but but it's that extra element that's in this film 
there is this sort of sense of foreboding, the mouse in the room that she seems to be obsessing about. And there are other things in that in 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 the story that leads you to this sense that there is an unraveling occurring with her. Yes, yes, I, I think it's a very fair assessment. It, it uh, well, I was interested in one of the things that you bring up is like, you know, she's going through her daily activities through her life. She's dealing with her kids. And I think, you know, uh, like even like during this pandemic, you have to go through your daily life. You know, I mean, you can, you still uh, have to get up in the morning and eat and put clothes on your kids and feed them and teach them if you're not sending them to school during, I mean, you have to deal with all this stuff, you know, you, you, you can't. And I think that's very true of people with, uh, mental illness. They have to deal with life on a daily basis. I was interested in how that happens, how that goes about. And at the time that I was writing, I was also hearing these and reading these stories uh, that that were happening around the U.S. of uh, moms and dads that were killing their kids and themselves. And I was always in the in the reactions from their neighbors and families. They go, "How could that happen? Right. It's such a wonderful neighborhood. Right. You know, they had everything." you know, they're in there, they drove their SUV off a cliff. And, you know, it's like, uh, this stuff was coming up. And I was very interested as to that, how what would push a person to do, uh, you know, to, to do that. And that's, so I think, yeah, it's a very fair assessment. Yeah. I, yeah. And I guess what I was trying to get to is this, that the, there's the, the surface part of the film, sort of the mundane stuff that I just described, mm-hmm. but also in the character of Holly played by a fantastic performance by Azura Sky, uh, there is a, if there's an anger that fuel that it, that she doesn't, I don't think she quite understands or is able to kind of deal with, but it reminds me, and I'm, I hope this is not an unfair comparison. It reminds me of other films that I've seen in a, in a very good way. Uh, I think a of, lot. No, just <laughs> no, no, no. Go back to Cassavetes, a woman under the influence. This is the film. Oh. Yeah. What a sort of feeling like, uh, that was another character who just whose internal rage at the world is is like a fire hose. I think Jenna Rollins is maybe one of my like I was going to say if not my favorite actress, she's one of my top actresses. Now, absolutely, that uh, I the movie is an influence in a way. Uh, I didn't. I wanted to make a very different movie, so I didn't. Uh, but yeah, it absolutely, I can, I understand what you're saying. I mean, that, that, that is a very great film. Um, and I got to meet her very briefly. So I was ecstatic about that and, and talk about a woman under the influence. It's a great movie. I also love opening night as well. So I, I get what you're saying. And I so able to introduce into that, into the ether of the film, this horror element, this truly menacing sort of presence, whether it is real or imagined, it's there almost from the very beginning of the film. And, uh, and so, um, and that's what gives this film its power is it's sort of, there's a lot of unknown, unexplained forces at work on Holly. And is it, is it just that she has dealing with mental issues? Obviously her or is it the family life has gotten to her, her husband's, her, there's all these elements, but then on top of everything else, there is something we don't know about. It's the, it's the elephant in the room. We do eventually find out more about what that, what, what that probably is, but 
it it's your ability to kind of bring all these elements together very quickly in the film and then to watch Azura Sky kind of deal with all of it. <laughs> sort of tidal wave of things that are, are in her life. I thank you for that. It, it was in the writing process. It was the right, it was, it was everything, because the film is done on a, a you know, it's a very small budget, uh, comparatively speaking. Uh, it, was, it was in the writing. I mean, you know, with, with movies like this, uh, in terms of like, you know, you have uh, sets are, are, you know, they're a mile a minute kind of organized, hopefully, you know, ours was, but it's, it's uh, fairly chaotic. You have to move at a good pace, especially for all that, you know, we were trying to do in the film. I mean, I was working with kids, animals, and, uh, you know, um, uh, there's a, there's a the car chase, you know, there's a lot of stuff. And for first time, first time feature, it was like, uh, it was a lot to sort of uh, take on in a sense, but it was all, it was in the, it was in the script is what I'm trying to say is that it was there uh, in uh, the elements were there and then the actors sort of went with it. And it was my job to keep it contained and, sort of directed and misdirected at the same time so yeah. i wanted you to pick up on certain things and and guide the viewer in a certain direction uh and if you pick on pick up on something great if that passed you by that's okay you'll pick up on something else hopefully you know uh hopefully something will will get you um yeah. will get to you and you'll maybe think about it a little bit um you know that that's always really wonderful um, somebody picked up, uh, it, was on a, it was an interview the other day, and uh, they picked up on the American flags in the film. And I was really happy about that because we put a lot of work putting American flags throughout the, <laughs> the movie, you know, with the art director. It's, they were all, everyone, every single one was placed with intention. You know, it was just to give you, give sort of like plant a seed in, in the mind. If you pick up on it, great. If you don't, that's okay too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot of intention with the movie. How you think of it is important for, for the viewer. If you pick up on the anger in the film, I think, it, I think the film does have a lot of anger. Um, uh, but, you know, maybe that's just me. I, I've sort of lost objectivity. But in the script, you know, we went forth with a, a sense of the character and, and their... I'm not a big fan of exposition in movies. I think they're sort of very heavy. Many of them treat it in a very heavy handed manner. So, um, but it's there. Her story is there from beginning to end. If you pick up on the elements of it, there is an origin in, in, in there to, uh, to, to her and to her unraveling. It's, right. it's all there right. if, you're, if you want to suss it out. I want to remind our listeners that we're talking about the film The Swerve, and we're, we're talking with the director and writer of The Swerve, and that would be Dean Capsalis. How would you genre-wise, and I don't want to pigeonhole you here, but is it a horror film? Is it a psychological thriller? Is, it, is that unfair to even try to categorize? Uh, I, no, it's not unfair. People have been, you know, it's gotten to me. I think it's gotten some, it's gotten me into some, uh, I, I don't want to say, it's not trouble. It's just sort of like, it's a, it's a little bit awkward in the sense that even with the producer of the film, I always saw it as a psychological horror film, but others see it as a drama. Other and it's like, well, don't horror films have drama? But you know, they don't. 
it's kind of a, it, it, well, what would you call, you know, there's, there are other films in the category. Uh, I think this leans closer to repulsion yeah. genre wise than yeah. it does to a woman under the influence. Right. But yeah. that's up, that's not really up to me. I, I was having a, a sort of a discussion with a, a, a UK reviewer just in the past few days. And she was asking me, she saw the film at Fright Fest uh, and a couple of weeks ago, and it's still going around in her head. And she keeps asking me questions like, do you consider this a horror film? And I answered it and I said, uh, I do. I, in this realm, I consider it a psychological horror film. And even in her review, she calls it psychological horror, but she's even questioning her own review, which was extremely positive. But, you know, it's like, why don't you, you know, just uh, give it a little while and if you want, you know, I think she's going to interview me in Azura sometime soon. So, yeah, you know, this comes up a lot. I, well, I, I'm, I'm tickled by it. I, I think it's a lot to do with the film itself in that it's a movie that you feel. Yes. You actually good. feel. Yeah. And so whether or not, and, and the questions around people's mental health, interpersonal relationships, and how you deal with someone you think is in, come, is in the midst of a, of a mental health crisis, there's all of those things are in it. So I think that's what makes it relatable to everyone. Everyone at some point or another, if they live long enough, is going to question their own mental health, right? They're going to go through some version of a crisis. And how you deal with it or how it unravels is, is a key to maintaining some level of staying here with the rest of us in some manner. Yeah, to me, yeah, to me that's, that scares me. You yeah. know, a mental... The unraveling of one's mind is really what scares me. So I, this is another conversation I had. I said, well, I was like, you know, traditional horror, like vampires, werewolves, et cetera, they, they never scared me. Even as a, you know, grade schooler, it never scared me. I always saw them as, you know, sort of, a, they had a sense of wonder about them. They were, you know, fantastical and they never scared me. But Human beings, frightened. The unraveling of a human being's mind really scares me. Not that I'm afraid of them, but I'm afraid of what they could do yeah. to themselves and to others, you know, and for myself. I mean, you just don't, you know, there's always that line, that sort of fine line. And I, I always really treasured that in, in books and in paintings and movies as well. I mean, you look at a painting, it kind of hits you a certain way. And you're not quite sure, like how you feel about it at first, and like like the paintings is like Francis Bacon. Or, I mean, they would hit me in like this very, you know, like wow, what what provoked him to do something like that, right, and how right. what does this mean? Right. Yeah, so. I think some of that power that you're describing in David Lynch films that that the power of the mind unraveling, the power of not knowing whether or not this is real or it's imagined, and how sure. you, and how people, and that's what in. In some ways, that's what this feels like as well. Not knowing, looking in a mirror and not knowing whether or not what's happening to you is right. actually some version of reality or if it's something that's wrong with the, with the way your ability to, um, right. to process it. So, right. or, or, or is it, you know, are you okay? And that it's just, it's sort of like the way that, I mean, this is part of the film too, is a way that, um, society is sort of you yeah. know i think this is a big problem in the world right now is like how you know we are forced into sort of the, our roles and uh how we deal with them and i think right. that's one of the big issues that you know women face today and even though that 
sort of glass ceilings are sort of at least spoken about being broken, uh, I think they're treated, women are treated extremely differently than men are on, you know, in every way of life. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and that, al- that almost opens the door to the question of menopause and how it impacts the psychological well-being of women at a certain point in their life and how society has stigmatized that in ways that sure. make it even more difficult. So, But I, I want to get to another question because we're going to run out of time yeah. here. And I, yeah, please. Uh, and that is the casting of Azura Sky in this role mm-hmm. of Holly. Uh, did you know when you met her... This performance is fantastic, and it really is the heart and soul of the film for, on so many different levels. But what was that? What was that like? Uh, the the role was, you know, we thought, meaning myself and the producer, we thought it was going to be an easy role to cast because um, the the characters in every just about every scene. We thought, oh well, actors will love sort of sort of biting into this, taking this on. What we found was the actual opposite. They would really they found it daunting. And, and because we're not, you know, we're a small, we were a small budgeted film, the casting said they're very, they're, I think they're frightened by what uh, the amount of work to take on. So as we spoke to actors, you know, we kept saying, no, this is such a big role. This is so big, you know. But anyway, so we, we spoke to quite a few actors and uh, uh, we got audition tapes and um, uh, Azura's audition tape is fantastic. And uh, Tommy, the producer, Tommy Minix, he immediately recognized her uh, and knew her several performances. And she did a, 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 a two-episode uh, arc in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And he he's a, was a fan of it. And he recognized that, oh, she was great in this. And uh, I watched just about everything I could find of her. And uh, then I spoke with her. And uh, she had uh, the right measure you know um uh, energetically uh, her voice her mannerism she's nothing at all like the character i mean she's the exact o- opposite in terms of her personality yeah. Yeah. but uh, performance wise i knew that she could do it and we spoke about it and uh didn't speak too much about it because i didn't want to put too much in her head and then we went we went with it from there now but Adrian Stern, Adrian Stern was a casting director. Yeah, she is. She's just great, and uh, there's just so many things to to talk about in terms of her performance. But unfortunately, we're about to run out of our our time here. Oh. And uh, but I I strongly recommend the film. The film again is called The Swerve, and it's coming out September 22nd. Is it a virtual release, or are we going to VOD? Uh, how? Are uh, it's going to be on every major uh, VOD and digital platform from iTunes uh, across the board. Yeah, iTunes everywhere. So yeah, the the usual suspects, basically, yeah. just to be checking yeah, yeah, yeah. for, yeah. And, uh, well, my congratulations to you Thank for you your work. Much. Again, the film is called The Swerve, and we've been talking with the director and writer of The Swerve, and that would be Dean Capsalis. Thank you, Dean. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 